Everything you know about health is about to change. Welcome to Straight Talk on Health with Dr. Vincent Medici. Sometimes people suffer not from lack of faith, but from lack of knowledge. This is the show that changes that. If you are tired of being sick, tired of not getting answers, tired of spinning in circles, for healing is not a mystery. It is a miracle that you were designed to experience. It takes hard work and real knowledge. It takes patience and time. It takes the education this show can provide. So get it straight today. Here's Dr. Medici. Good morning. Good morning. I'm Dr. Vincent Medici. Good morning to my beloved audience. I hope you're learning. I hope this show is helping you along your way. Just had an individual call this morning. You know, I've never had so many people call in for help. And I think that's a good thing, reaching out. We have answers. You just have to be willing to look at things from a different angle. And I don't think there's a better example of this than diabetes. Type 2. I'm not talking about type 1. Type 2 diabetes. We're not getting your, to you or you're not getting the information. It's really jaded. And type 2 is simple. It really is a simple thing to figure out, to understand, to know how to address, to know how to cure, the whole thing. So where do I begin? I think we can do this nicely in 25 minutes. Your cells need sugar. They live off glucose. That's right. That terrible thing we call sugar. You know, like sugar cane, like sugar in our soda, in our coffee, in our pastries. Our cells love it. They live off it. They need it. Without it, you don't do so good. Especially the cells of your brain. Cells of your brain want sugar. You try to live on fats, not have any carbs, not have any sugar at all, zero you know what I'm saying. Super paleo. You'll know what I mean. You won't quite just have that perkiness up there in the brain when you need to pull that memory up. For some people, no matter how long they refrain from sugar, hoping that that keto thing will kick in, they still don't think as fast. They can't sprint up the hill with that right amount of energy. I can tell you since I was a teenager, and I mean a teenager, and I was always into my, I mean, in my early 20s, I mean, keeping that body fat down low for sports, boxing and all the other sports, all the other insane sports. I can tell you that when I had to lose weight fast, yeah, I cut all the sugar out. But before that workout, I had to have some sugar. I had to have a carb. I couldn't get up. At 10%, 12%, 14% body fat, needing to lose a pound or two to make weight or something, I couldn't get up and just have the two eggs and a, and a steak and then go out there and do it. I needed the carb. And whether you're doing it that way or you're actually a full-fledged vegan 
vegetarian. We don't have it right, really, about sugar. Whether you are a vegetarian, a paleo, a vegan, a ketogenic person, whatever you want to call yourself, your cells need sugar. The question is, how much sugar should be in your blood in any given time? And the answer is, forget diabetes type 2. The answer is, no matter who you are, no matter what your food choices are, no matter what your diagnosis is, you want to have well under 100 blood sugar at all times. You want to keep that blood sugar, no matter what time of day, 80, 85, 90, 95, somewhere between 80 and 100, even a little less for some people. And the minute during the day your blood sugar is going over 100, too often, too many times, you're starting to dysregulate your blood sugar and your insulin. Relationship being that once you have sugar in the blood, it can't get into the cell if the cell is screaming for it until insulin secreted from the pancreas. This is a whole other consideration that insulin binds to the membrane of the cell and opens the gates of the cell, the brain cell, the muscle cell, the heart cell, the liver cell, the kidney cell. Actually, not the liver cell. You know, the liver cells don't live on glucose. They live on fats. Purely, 100% on fats. Little side note. But most cells don't get the sugar. Most cells need the sugar and don't get it unless insulin binds to their membrane first. It's the insulin glucose thing. And here's the point. If you just understood nothing. Of course, if you understood nothing and you want to listen to the show again, that's the website. That's why I post them, straighttalk.cc. But the point is, if in fact, too many times your blood sugar is going over 100, and too often you're secreting more insulin, which when the blood sugar is going over 100 too often, you're in that neighborhood, you're starting to dysregulate. You're starting to put too much stress on the pancreas, and you're starting to allow the sugar level in the blood to go too high too often. Now, when the sugar level in the blood is too high too often, that sugar is a toxin. That sugar will create the million symptoms of diabetes, pre-diabetes, and just plain old, the sugar's too high in the blood. Now, when we come along and say... Your blood sugar in the morning, fasting, is under 100, and you're fine. That's really dumb. We should never test it that way. That's the way we test it. It is beyond me why we would trust fasting blood sugar. It is beyond me. We supposedly test it as a marker, as a screener. Yeah, if fasting blood sugar is up at 120, 130, we better do more tests, Fred. 
This could be diabetes. By the time you wait for fasting blood sugar to be up that high in the morning after two hours of fasting when you get your blood tested, it's way too late. You're like 20 years too late. It's way ahead of time. It's just it. your body has sustained damage for years, much of which will be reversible. You can still fix it. But the point is to screen people as to you're fine or we ought to look into this on the basis of fasting blood sugars absurd. Now, the second one that's borderline absurd is glycated hemoglobin. You'll note this. Some of your doctors will do this test regularly. HGBA1C. Glycated hemoglobin. And the thought is that when the sugar in the blood glycates, it binds with the protein component in the red blood cells, I'm abbreviating a little bit, but I'm sure that's good. When the sugar in the blood binds with the protein component in the hemoglobin of the red blood cells, when that happens you can get a measurement, the amount of glycation between the sugar in the blood and the protein component of the amino acid, of, of the hemoglobin. We call that process glycation. And if we can measure the amount of that, we can infer, the point is infer, just how much blood sugar you're running all day and if that amount is too much. Excess glycation of the hemoglobin molecule in the blood, red, in the red blood cell, can be too much and then that number, glycated hemoglobin, will start to go up. So right now, we take a number and we say after about five, six, five, seven, Mr. Smith, if it's higher than five, six, five, seven, now we're moving into the danger zone. And if it's over six or six, one, they change these norms all the time. Now that's diabetes. Here's truth. It ought to be down there at about five. Five, one, five, two tops. We're muffling you off with this idea that it's five, two to five, 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 six, five, seven. That's pre-diabetic. Don't worry, you don't have it yet. You're destroying yourself already. Take that to the bank. I don't know why they mess up these interpretations. I don't know why they don't give the public a real understanding. And my revision here, what I'm trying to say as I revise it for you, is that just because you're not a full-blown mess and your glycating hemoglobin is over 661, just because you're not in that zone, to be 5758 in that zone there is bad. Blood sugar dysregulation is dysregulation. 
if you want to describe it and put all sorts of norms on it, you go ahead and do that. Let your insurance companies and let the AMA do that. But you have to understand, you're suffering long before. You see, and you can't in a way criticize mainstream medicine. You can't. Because their interest is in crisis situations. You're running your blood sugar all day long, up at 130, 140, 150. That's diabetes. And that's a crisis situation. You can get hurt. And that's what those guys are looking to do. They're looking to help in a crisis. They don't have time. Perhaps they don't have interest. Well, I mean, what are they going to do? What is your doctor going to do when you're carbon out, eating the junk, getting a fasting blood sugar in your physical exam, and you're at 100? What's he going to do when HGBA1C is up at a 5657? They'll tell you you're headed for trouble and then leave it alone. There's not a lot for them to do. There is no reason to medicate. There's some reason to counsel. Counsel who? Counsel you? You're struggling to make a living. Or you're not struggling to make a living, but in a sense, you're not going to do anything anyway for yourself. Why should you care until there's a problem? You have other things to deal with. You're going through a divorce. You're going through illness. There is trauma in the family. Your business is floundering. You're dealing with COVID. So why should a medical doctor, why should the system end up spending a lot of time, money, and energy trying to get you to do something you're not going to do anyway? This is a very valid point. So you really can't point your finger at your medical doctor or the system. But you have to be, it's your responsibility, well, to listen to shows like this, to read on your own, and to know more. To know more. Your physical exams are looking for problems. They don't have the time to tell you how to prevent them. I mean, they do a little bit, right? A doctor will tell you to lose weight. A doctor will tell you you're a little bit pre-diabetic. You will get the message every now and then. But to get it to where it counts, that's a different story. So we're not going to point the finger at them. We're just going to get educated. Okay. Henceforth, your glycated hemoglobin's got to be way lower than 5.6. It's got to be down at about 5, 5, 1, 5, 2. Change your norm. There's something called an AccuCheck. You can buy it for 50 bucks. Learn to use it. Learn to measure your own blood sugar. Learn to do that. And then one hour after you eat your meals, See what the number is. One hour after you eat the meals, the postprandial, your blood sugar should be down under 100. 
down under 100. And if it's not, you got to play with the foods to make sure it is. Which reminds me to tell you, the food you eat is not the only thing that regulates your blood sugar. The food you eat is not the only thing that regulates your blood sugar. People don't understand this. The other big factor is exercise. Intense exercise. Whatever is intense for you, and in 30 minutes, I can't get into it that much more deeply. I'll tell you this. It's the amount of exercise that when you're done will drop your blood sugar well under 100. That much exercise. Whatever that means for you. It could be walking up a hill. It could be sprinting around a track. It could be just getting on your treadmill for 20 minutes. I don't know what that is for you, but your blood sugar is also regulated by exercise. Your blood sugar is also regulated by the amount of fat. Yeah, good old fat that you have on your body. People who are 30, 40, 50, 60, 70 pounds overweight are insulin resistant, meaning their insulin will not bind unless a lot of insulin is produced. And so their blood sugar is always going to run high. They can say, but I didn't eat anything. And you can say, yeah, but what you did eat, the certain amount of carbohydrate that converted to sugar that you did eat is running high in your blood because you can't get it out of your blood and into your cells because you're insulin resistant. Again, whether it's exercise, whether it's you got too much blubber on, you're not going to be able to regulate your blood sugar under 100 postprandial meeting one hour after you eat in the way I just told you. That's on top of the food choices, which are about your glycemic index. Is the food, does the food break down to sugar? Does the carbohydrate or the starch in your intestines break down to sugar in the blood? How quickly? Get a book on glycemic index. If you're eating cherries, a nice sweet cherry, which they're coming out soon, thank God. June is bing cherry season. The state of Washington is ready to deliver. Whether it's bing cherries or kidney beans or black beans, the glycemic index, the rate at which those foods drip glucose into your blood is very, very, very slow. Their glycemic index is about 20 or 30. A croissant. A butter croissant from Starbucks. The glycemic index of a croissant is about 100. Do you know Coca-Cola with the cane sugar, not the high fructose, but the proverbial Mexican Coke, the cane sugar Coke, the glycemic index is only 50 or 60. That's pretty interesting. Really, it's high fructose corn syrup that is the devil along with agave. Their glycemic index is extremely high. The glycemic index of watermelon is extremely high. Get a book on glycemic index and understand that if you're now, so I'm going to kind of change modes. If you're approaching diabetes, if you're a type 2 diabetic, in other words, clearly diabetic, if you're semi-diabetic, 
pre-diabetic, if you just want to be healthy but you eat too much carbs, if you want to regulate your blood sugar, get a book on the glycemic index. Then understood another concept. Understand carbohydrate load. You can eat a food with a low glycemic index. Let's say you do yams, and they have a glycemic index of about 30, 40, which is pretty low, as opposed to white potato, which is up at 50 or 60, as opposed to instant potatoes, which is about 80 or 90. Let's just say you get a fairly mid-range glycemic food, and you eat a ton of it. That may mean the carbo load too much at once factors in big time. You always want to keep the portions smaller with carbs. Smaller and more often if you must. But no matter what, and this is the beauty of what I'm trying to give to you today, no matter what, in the end, one hour after you eat, check the blood sugar. The blood sugar is not under 100. Change what you eat. And eat anything you want in this regard. As long as you get the job done, meaning one hour after you eat, you look at the blood sugar and it's under 100. I hope I'm being very clear. Now, I want to complicate it by insulin load. Remember, insulin is the food, is the chemical secreted by the island of Langerhans in the pancreas. Insulin is the hormone and the more sugar you have in the blood, the more insulin you have to secrete. And the fatter you are, the more insulin you may have to secrete. And the less you exercise, the more insulin you may have to secrete. And there's another consideration here that's very damaging, and that's the insulin load. So let me tell you what you already know. If you go out and have, if you go to the International House of Pancakes, I know you don't, but let's just say you did. You went to the International House of Pancakes, and you ate everything in sight. The Cokes, and the pancakes, and the butter, and the syrup, and the marmalade, and you polished it off with a chocolate shake, maybe a cherry donut. You had a real feast. Or you had half of that. Or you just had a piece of cake at someone's birthday party, and you start to feel sluggish. Early sign. Lethargic early sign. Numb and tingly in your hands, a more serious sign. Numb and tingly in your feet, a more serious sign. A little nauseous. A little heavy in the muscles. Like you were going to go work out, and then you stopped, and you had a butter croissant and a soda. And now you don't want to work out. Early signs. You could be 16 years old, 18 years old. It's a sure sign your blood sugar and your insulin are spiking. Now, here's a caveat on that. If you have a big steak, guess what? Your blood sugar won't go up, but animal protein like steak, like pork, like chicken, like fish, especially pork, steak, lamb, spikes your insulin. Doesn't spike your blood sugar. The way it works is it triggers a lot of insulin. Meats. Spike insulin. That's insulin load. 
sugars, carbs, cheap carbs, low glycemic carbs, spike insulin and sugar. But meats just spike insulin. It's all bad. So there's something called an insulin an insulin loading test. You can order it directly from Life Extension on your own. You can ask your MD to order it. There's a lot of chiropractors and acupuncturists and naturopaths that can order it for you. You also want to get a sense of your insulin load. How much insulin? Let's say you have somebody that's always, always overweight. They're just always overweight for whatever reason. They don't exercise. It's their genetics. And they don't eat a lot of carbs. But they eat a lot of meat because they know they're not supposed to eat a lot of carbs. You also want to know what the insulin load is. How much insulin are you secreting? I'll give you a little hint. O bloods tend to over-secrete insulin. A bloods are perfect in their secretion of insulin. Generally. No laws, but generally. Now, the transition. When you make a transition away from carbs, you have to do it gradually. If you don't do it gradually, you're going to get very fatigued. When you transition away from carbs, you have to do it gradually or you may not be able to convert your fats to ketones in the liver and keep your energy up enough. So if you transition too quickly, you may end up with low blood sugar attacks, at least early on, so you have to do it gradually and slowly. And I thought I was going to get it in. I thought I was going to get the whole thing in. All right. I'll make you a promise. Next week, I'm going to do part two of this about the transition. I could probably do an entire show on the transition. So next week, you'll hear me give 25 good minutes to how to transition. And then I think we'll have the whole thing put together. That aside, if you are lost in the labyrinth of health, if you're scared, if you don't know what you're doing, if you think you're not getting the facts, if you think you're not getting proper interpretation, give my office a call, 714-850-1007, 714-850-1007. Some of you only need to come once. Some of you need to come more often. It all depends on you. Really, it all depends on you. And it takes a little time to know who you are. So keep an open mind. And if you need help, you got the phone number. God bless you. We'll see you next week. Okay, that's a wrap. Don't forget to get to Dr. Medici's website at drmedici.com to look at the pictures and review the show as often as you wish. See you next week.